The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Beth Pinsker, an investing columnist at Market Watch, and I'm your host for today. On this episode, I'm talking with Dave Enna, a former journalist who is the founder of the website tipswatch.com, which covers inflation-protected investments like tips and series I-bonds. I-bonds have exploded in popularity in the past two years because they've been offering the best yields around. But while they're new for a lot of people, Dave has been investing in them since 2001. So Dave, what first attracted you to I-bonds and why did you keep going with it all these years? Well, I first learned about I-bonds by listening to Bob Brinker's market uh, money talk, money talk radio broadcast. And that, I think it started in the late nineties, but he was a big fan of I-bonds and I had never heard of them before. I had purchased the E-bonds earlier and um, I just thought I was kind of fascinated by the idea of getting a bond that would track inflation. And the very first I-bond I bought was March 2000, and it's a paper I-bond. I still have it. It's in a safe deposit box. And um, it has a fixed rate of 3.4%. Right now, I think it's paying about 13% um, for six months because of that high fixed rate on top of that 9.7%. Yeah. And back in back in 2000, you could buy $60,000 worth of I-bonds, not 10, and you could use a credit card and and you could uh, get airline miles. I did not buy 60,000, by the way. No, didn't. Well, you Um, have to have that much cash on hand. So it's it's hard to put that together. You know, they dropped the um, limit to 5000 a few years later and then uh, raised it to 10000 in 2012. It's been at 10000 since 2012. Well, I that seems to be... Oh, go sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that no, seems no, to be... That, that $10,000 limit um, seems to be the thing that uh, people ask the most of and get tripped up at. And that's, that's what I wanted to focus on today is um, because... You can buy $10,000 per person per year. Um, And the people who maxed out last year can now buy again because it's a new calendar year. Um, So what I wanted to focus on today was um, investing strategies for I-bonds in 2023. Um, As you said on your blog recently, Dave, it's complicated. Um, So let's start at the beginning. So if you were going to invest in I-bonds today, uh, what rate is being offered right now? And how long is that good for? So if you invested in I-bonds in the month of January, you would get uh, 6.89% for six months. And that includes a fixed rate of 0.4%. The fixed rate stays with the I-bond forever. The variable rate right now is 6.48%. If you add the two together, it comes out to 6.89 because of a formula they use, which is a little, it basically compounds it. And so you're- right. you, so yeah, the it's the full year rate, but you only get it for six months, so you really only get half of it. And then on May right. on May first, the rate, the variable rate would change, but the fixed rate 
or purchase now won't change. But On the ones that you buy now, but yeah, if you fix rate changes, you get this is why people get confused. <laughs> yeah, six months you get six full months of 6.89%. And then you get the new variable rate. So that'll be after May 1st, even though it'll reset on May 1st, you'll get the new rate for six full months after that. Now, the problem is that the new rate could very well be lower by quite a bit, possibly. It could be as low as 2%. And so that kind of makes it much more interesting to buy before May, anytime before May, the return is the same. If you buy in January or to April, the return is exactly the same because you're getting that 6.89% for six months. Right. I think what people are looking for is when should they buy? Should they buy now? So the, th the three choices that we've identified are they can buy now, they can buy in April when they know more information, or they could buy in May if the deal is better in May than it is in April. So let's go through those three possibilities. Like what would be the pros and cons of buying now? So buying now, the one of the reasons to buy. You have so money, think, you know, and you don't want to. Of course, right now you can earn money. You can earn four percent on your money for for the months you're waiting. So it's not as key a concern to to buy in January. One re, big reason to buy in January is if you think this is a short term investment and you want to get out of it after 12 months, which you, you have to hold for 12 months. So if you buy in January, you start the clock ticking on January 1st or in Jan the month of January, and you can then redeem in January, 2024. If you wait, right. then you're pushing that time later. But the, you know, there really isn't a whole lot investment different. If you're a long-term investor, buying in January or buying in April, anytime in between, the return is exactly the same. Right. And if you want to get really granular about it, if your money is parked somewhere right now where it's earning 4%, um, presumably you would want to wait until you got your next interest payment on that money, sure. wherever sure. it is. Um, so if your interest pays at the end of the month, get your 4% and then buy the I-bonds, right? One interesting thing about I-bonds is you can buy very close to the last day of the month. So you can buy on January. I say don't wait till the last day. Wait till about two business days before the last of the month, day of the month, and then buy, and you get credit for a full month. So oh, that's get, pretty good. Shorten the holding period to about eleven months and three days by doing so that. So if you if you're really, really, really trying to maximize, you would find some window between when your bank is paying you your interest and before the end of the month, so you can get the I bond interest, and then you're kind of doubling up on that. Yeah, I know that the one account that I have that pays interest, uh, actually pays some interest, appears to be the last day of the month. So that wouldn't work very well, for me at least, because they seem right. to pay it right on the last day of the month. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but there might be some people it works for. Um, so if you were going to wait until April, right before the, the rates change, what indicators would you be looking at in order to see what the best deal would be between the current rate or the next rate? So right now, the um, we're in a three six-month period that will set the new variable rate for the I-bond, and we're two months into it. And December report, inflation report, comes out uh, Thursday, and that'll be the third month. And that's looking like it could be zero. 
it could be as low as zero. So we would be looking at three months that have only gone up 0.3% in three months. So it looks like the, the variable rate could be pretty low. But if you wait till April 12th, you'll get the March inflation report issued that morning. Then you'll know all six months and you'll know what the new variable rate is, exactly what it is. And so that time between April 12th and May 1, you can make the decision to buy in April or buy in May. And most likely, you'd want to buy in April, I'm thinking, right? At this point, I would say you'd want to buy before May 1. That's my thinking right now. So that's the inflation component of the rate. But but I-bonds have the double right the double rate so you have the inflation rate that's that, that might go lower but what what indicators do you look at to see if the fixed rate is going to change so the the fixed rate the, the treasury does not say how it sets the fixed rates so we don't know for sure how but i have been writing for a long time and tracking the 10-year real yield which when it heads up to usually there's a lag of 50 to 75 basis points between the 10-year real yield and I bond fixed rate. Right now, the 10-year real yield last week was 1.58%. That's exactly where it was on October 31st when they set it at 0.04 for the I bond. Okay. In the last week, it's dropped 20 basis points, 25 basis points. So it's down to about 130, I think. And still, you know, I think that means that very if it stays at 130 through then through May 1st, they'll keep the rate at 0.4 at least. I don't think they'll lower it, but it may be less likely that they'll raise it. And if they raise it, it may only be by point to 0.5 or 0.6, possibly. And that's not a lot of money because uh, $10,000, you know, 0.1% is only $10. Right. So, um, yeah. So the only reason you would want to buy in May versus April is if that fixed rate were going to, the best case scenario would be is if the fixed rate went up and the inflation rate also went up, then you would say buy in May, no problem, right? Yeah. I, if you, if the, if the 10 year real yield on a tips is up to, let's say 2%, um, yeah, I would probably and you know the inflation rate even if the inflation rate was fairly low the next variable i would still probably maybe wait or do half in april and half in may you know if you're a couple one person could buy ten thousand in april and one in ten thousand in may or any time you know after may <laughs> but you know you just well, don't know so you don't know what the fixed rate will be it's impossible to say so we just have to guess you know what will it be this is a lot of detail, so I just want to remind the audience that if they have questions, you can submit them online, and we're getting a live feed of them here, and we're going to start answering them uh, pretty soon. Um, but I just had a couple of other questions. Um, what does it take to get the fixed rate up to where you had it when you sure. bought them early when it was three point? whatever you said that was. <laughs> the reason was that I-bonds were a brand new thing. They were only available for two years. And actually, tips were fairly new. Yields were spectacular at that time, about three, over 3%, even close to 4%. Uh, for a 30-year, which was like, you know, uh, I didn't buy, I think somewhere along the one, I think I got a 2.8% tips, maybe a 30-year back in that period. But 
so they were a new product. People really didn't know how to price them, uh, or, and people didn't really have, you know, they weren't very popular. Then they became kind of popular over time, and also real yields just started going down. You know, the, we've had a period of time of very low yields for the last 15 years, really, or especially the last 11 years. And now they've come so, back up. So I don't think so we're getting four again. <laughs> you know, I don't. What's the real long-term strategy here? Like you're, you've been doing this for a while and every time you get one of those high fixed rates, then when inflation comes along, it adds to it and it, and it's a great deal. Is that what you're looking for? Hopefully, but really the idea is I would still buy I would still buy bonds every year, even if the fixed rate was zero. And and I have. And the reason is that it's just becomes, after five years, it just becomes a cash equivalent. It's inflation protected cash. And, and for older people, especially, it becomes kind of nice to have some cash that you could draw on. The only thing that you'll have to pay taxes on is the interest that you've earned. You won't have to pay on the amount, the original amount. And so it becomes kind of a, just a tax-deferred savings account because these are tax-deferred. And so I think it's a, good, it's a good idea as a cash or cold money. If you think of it that way, you don't have to think you're getting a spectacular yield necessarily. Some people, though, would look if you can get a one-year CD right now, you might be able to get, you probably can get over 4%. You know, and if the next variable rate goes down to 2 then you know, the one-year city is going to look more attractive for that one year. But beyond that, we don't know. Yeah, what will the inflation right. rate be? So what's the short-term strategy? How, how are people selling these? I know that you've talked about in the past, um, the 12, you're locked in for 12 months, but you also lose three months of interest if you sell before five years. So you've talked about a 15-month strategy. Yeah, you know, the, if the next variable rate does go down, let's say to two or around that level, that will open a window for people to redeem, not people buying now, but people who have bought in the last couple of years. You have to wait three months of that lower rate and then redeem. And, and that way you are losing three months of the very low interest rate. And that is a good strategy. And I think a lot of people use that strategy. But if you're buying today, you're going to get 6.89% for six months. And then you're going to get another variable rate for six months. And you're going to have to wait out that next variable rate, whatever it is. And then you can decide. You could decide in January next year to sell, redeem, and you would lose three months of that low variable rate. So that's not so bad. So as a short-term holding, this may not be so bad, but the problem is when you take three months away, you're down to about 4% uh, interest for the year, and that's not a whole lot better than you could get on a one-year CD. Right. Um, that makes it a very interesting calculation for people. And this is, I think, why people have so many practical questions about this. I'm gonna turn to some of those now. Um, okay. One of them is, there's a lot of confusion some people have about where the, the one-year period comes into play. So if you bought I-bonds in the past, in 2022 at some point, um, do you have to wait one full calendar year from that moment in order to buy more? Or does does it reset oh, no. in January and you can buy, oh, like if you bought December 30th, you could buy January 2nd? 
That's correct. It's the calendar year. So if you okay. bought, let's say, in October last year, a lot of people did buy in October because they knew the 9.62% rate was going away in November. Then you could buy again January 1. So your brand new year, you can buy again right now. Excellent. Um, a reader named Brian asks um, to compare uh, a I-bond strategy versus a TIP strategy. Now, TIPs would be the main competitor to I-bonds if you're looking for inflation-protected investments. So can you compare those two? Because you're the TIPs guy, too. Yeah, I, I have written several articles saying that TIPs are more attractive right now. And the five-year TIPs is about 1.5% uh, over inflation, while the I-bond is 0.4%. So obviously, TIPs have a big yield advantage. Now, TIPs are a more complicated investment. They're harder to track. I, I'm fine with them, but a lot of people find them very confusing uh, at dinner parties. I, people, you know, and at any rate, own, owning individual tips is a very good strategy. In, individual tips, holding them to maturity is a very safe way to invest in tips. And I still like I-bonds, much simpler investment, and it becomes that cash equivalent after five years. You can keep holding it if you want, or you could redeem it after five years. A tips, if you buy five-year tips, you can also redeem in five years, or it will just mature. And you're gonna do better, very much likely will do better with a five-year tips than you would do with a with an I-bond. And there's no there's no purchase limit on a tip. So you can buy, you wanted, you could buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of five-year tips. You know, there's a 10-year tips auction coming up in two weeks. You know, you could that's paying about 1.3%, as I noted before. That's quite a bit more than the than the I bond at 0.4. Excellent. Tips um, have a better investment, but I bonds have the simpler investment, and I think they're easier to track. And a lot of people just like the comfort that uh, one thing about an I bond is all the money that you earn can never go down in value, and never. So with the tips, if you have a bunch of inflation accrual, uh, and then we hit a deflationary spurt, you're you're acute principle goes down. You're going to lose money during that time that it's going down. Well, this is a question that, that comes up uh, from Michael, um, which is about how you purchase them and where you hold them. And I think that this is this ties into the tips thing, too, because financial planning isn't just about what you're buying and what your yield is. It's about where you locate those assets um, in your you know, grand scheme of where you have your money. And maybe right. tips and, and I-bonds are two separate um, two separate things. You have your I-bonds, which are a cash equivalent, but you, can hold, you can't hold them in your um, IRA, for instance. That's you right. have to have a separate account. But tips you can hold within your IRA. So they, they kind of serve two separate purposes. You could have both. Yeah, the, you can... Uh... I-bonds can only be purchased at Treasury Direct, and that, that's a negative for some people because they hate Treasury Direct, and, and possibly rightly so. I'm more or less okay with Treasury Direct, but a lot of people do not like it, and they had a lot of problems last year. It's the only place you can hold them. However, they are tax-deferred, so they're kind of like a stealth IRA uh, in that you can just hold them, and then when you sell them, you pay, the pay tax on the interest. Tips can also be purchased at the Treasury Direct, and if you want to do that, you can, but you can't have them in an IRA because you can't have an IRA account at Treasury Direct. 
The better way to hold tips is in an IRA, I say traditional IRA, so not, not a Roth, but a Roth would be fine, and buy them at a broker. And if you buy them, almost all the large brokers don't charge a commission when you buy a tips, especially at auction. And on the secondary market, uh, Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab, I don't believe, charge a commission either. And would the reason to hold them in the traditional IRA because they're tax advantaged and there's no reason to put a tax advantaged item into a Roth IRA because you're not paying tax on the growth that's anyway? Right. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people do put them in, in Roths and that's fine. But I mean, the idea of Roths should be maybe you're riskier money and you're going to hold that money, that that money can last longer in the Roth, the last money you spend. But there's no reason you couldn't have them in a Roth. And they're only, you know, one thing about having a, both TIPS and I-bonds are free of state income taxes, but if you have a, if you hold them in a traditional IRA or any kind of, well, not a Roth, but you lose the state exemption by holding it in a, in a traditional IRA, because when you draw the money out, it's all taxable. One, right. of the benefits, one of the benefits of an IRA, though, is you can move money around and you can buy tips, you know, just take some money out of a bond fund and buy a tips or, you know, and you don't have to pay any taxes for moving the money because when you're, you know, it's hard to do in a cash account sometimes to move money around without paying taxes. That is true. That is true. Um, we had a couple of questions here about how much money you can make um, and how it's paid out. Um, and Lynn asks, asks um, how exactly is the bond interest calculated and when is it paid? And we had a couple more questions about this, about, um, you know, they, somebody bought I-bonds on one date and bought some on another date, and they have two different amounts of interest, even though they're, they should be exactly equal. Like, how do, you, how do you track it all and keep track of it? When you buy an I-bond, uh, then at Treasury Direct, you can see what you, by going into Treasury Direct and looking at the particular I-bond, it'll show you how much interest you've earned. However, and this confuses people, they won't show you the last three months of interest until you have held the I-bond for five years. And so everybody goes in and looks and then they don't see the interest that they think they should be having because there's missed, three months are missing. Three months of 9.62% is quite a bit of money, you know. So that's been the big problem. People, when you look at your holding until five years, Treasury Direct won't show you the interest from the last three months. So that's that can be complicated for people, I assume. Well, by the way, the, the way that they actually calculate interest, which I've written about, is incredibly complicated. But... And um, because they use a, a baseline investment of $25, and I think this goes back to when I was young, you know, a $25 savings bond your grandmother would give you or something, you know, it's like that, that was a, an amount that people actually used. Well, they base the entire interest calculation on $25 increments. And there is an article on my site about that. And so it, it veers away from exactly the percentage you would think of because they do some rounding. It's very close. It's usually just a matter of a dollar maybe or 50 cents even, but, and it could be in your favor a lot of times, but it, it's just a little different than what you might think the interest rate would be, the interest you earn. And they use something Excellent. called pseudo compounding, which you don't want to know about, but they do. <laughs> it, actually, it actually compounds every six months. 
officially, but there is uh, a small amount of compounding going on each month. So you earn right. I know compounding. I tried to figure it out for myself. So my, I put money in I bonds last year um, to ostensibly with the plan of using it to pay for my younger daughter's first year of tuition. Uh -huh, right? right. So like a, like a pseudo five to nine because my five to nine was, was in the, was tanking completely. And so I took the money I would have contributed to that and put it in I bonds um, thinking, okay, well in five years um, I'll have that money for tuition. Um, and if my income meets the limits, then I wouldn't even have to pay tax on it if I paid right. that money into into the school directly. Um, but it was very hard to figure out how much that money, you know, that, that I invested would be worth five years really? from now. The problem is that what, what you can say is that um, to pay if you bought it earlier, and so it was a 0.0% fixed rate, your money will be worth the rate of inflation in five years. So we don't know what the rate of inflation in five years will be, you know, when you buy. So that's the problem. You don't know exactly how much you'll earn when you buy a nominal treasury or a CD. You know how much nominal interest you'll earn, but you don't know how you'll do against inflation. With an I bond, right. you know how you'll do against inflation, but you don't know what the nominal. Most likely, it'll be pretty close you know, to a CD. I'm guessing, you know, pretty close to what a CD would be. If I started out at nine for six months and then went to almost seven, then that's yeah, that's good. Then by the time I get, even if it, inflation goes way down, I probably will would end up with an average rate of four percent over five years, basically. That's what right. I'm assuming, yeah. and that's pretty good because my my five to nine is still in the negative. You know, so, there's no reason to believe inflation is going to go down dramatically in the in the longer term, but I do think in the short term it's going to go down. It's not going to go down to two percent, though. I don't think, but it's going to go down a bit here in the next six months, and then after that, we could see four percent inflation for a while, maybe. Um, we have a reader named Barry who, like you, bought um, I bonds regularly starting in the year two thousand. And has accumulated a fair amount with uh, that has a future taxable gain that he hasn't cashed out yet. Um, and he wants to know if you have thoughts about averaging out your older bonds and what might cause you to sell before the maturity. Do you roll them over regularly? I would assume that you would want to keep the ones that have the highest interest uh, fixed interest rates. If you, if you, I always say, if you're going to sell and uh, redeem an I bond, go for the 0.0% I bonds if you have any of those. And if you, so no I bond has ever matured yet. So uh, the first I bonds to mature will be in 2028, 20, I think. And like mine will be 2030, the one that has a 3.4%. What you have to do, I think, you know, and it depends on if you'll be retired at that point and paying estimated taxes, you just have to prepare that as being a hunk of your income that year, the interest, and pay your estimated taxes ahead of time on that, and just plan it as part of your income for that year. I would not sell a 3.4% fixed rate I bond early. I would hold that, and I would redeem the 0% I bonds early if I needed to, after five years especially. Or you could roll them over um, to buy a bond with a higher fixed rate. That's another possibility. We have a reader named Eileen who wants to know if, uh, if there's a penalty for trading in tips early, like there is for I-bonds. 
No, the thing, interesting thing about tips is that they trade. When when uh, the ten year tips auction uh, coming up in two weeks is going to be for about nineteen billion dollars. That's a lot of money. They're, these trade every single day. They're very liquid. Um, I've never sold one, but but I have bought them on the secondary market. They're easy to buy. You can always buy and sell. Their market value changes every day. So you could be, you know, you're if you don't hold a maturity, you could lose money in, in a tips easily. Because if, for example, if you bought two years ago, a 30 year, they're down about, or a year ago, let's say, more than 20%, they're down because uh, the 30 year, you know, it's gone up uh, 150 basis points, which is on a, on a 30 year investment, that's a huge hit. That's a huge hit. But no, they're they're easy to they're they're easy to get rid of if you want to. I just advise holding the maturity. Buy ones you can hold a maturity. Uh, the last question I have is from. Uh, well, we have a lot more questions, but um, the last question we can get to in the time is from Peter um, to talk about gifting strategies. Um, because if we've convinced people that that I bonds are a good deal, ten thousand dollars might not be enough. They might want to spend more. Um, and there's a real gifting strategy that you can do here, depending on what the rates are. Um, and Peter says he and his wife both purchased $20,000 each in 2022 um, by each of them buying their own $10,000 and then each of them buying $10,000 for the, the spouse. And he wants to know what's the upper limit of that? Like, could you put $100,000 in and then just parse it out over 10 years? Yes, you could. And people have. I mean, I've, I've talked to people who did that. Um, the gifting strategy has been around forever. I mean, it just was that I-bonds were never interesting enough for people to bother to do it. But last year, because it got to 9.62%, the variable rate, people wanted to lock that in for multiple years. So they bought it. When you, when you gift an I-bond, you give it to a person. It's no longer your money. It's their money at that point. But it sits in a gift box. And when you deliver it, it will, if you deliver $10,000 to them this year, it would be their limit for this year. So they couldn't buy any more I-bonds, but they could be delivered and the interest too, get the whole thing. So if you bought 100,000, you're spacing out 10 years of gifts to people, you know, 10 years of future gifts. And a lot of spouses, I mean, we people bought, you know, some for their children, some, it, it's possible. I'm. I was surprised that it was allowed, but, you know, because I'd never really heard of the strategy before, it actually came to light in December of 2021, and that was when the rate was at 7.12%. And I think, you know, it's it works, and it's legit. It's totally legit. So if, but now it's, is it as attractive today uh, at 6.89%, it's still attractive. I think because of the fixed rate of 0.4. But if I ever saw the point of fixed rate go up to let's say 1.4 or something like that, I would definitely consider using the gifting strategy. I haven't done it though. I haven't done it personally. Right. The longer term, the longer term gift strategy is more effective when the when the fixed rate is higher because otherwise the rate could be anything. Yeah, except that you know 9.62% was a huge, you know. That's uh, a lot of money for, that's $450 plus for the first six months. That is an amazing uh, way to start your investment. And so it, it was a good strategy at the time 
last year. And I think it's still a reasonable strategy this year, but, and maybe people don't want to deliver last year's iBond gifts this year because of the fixed rate. They would rather buy a new, new iBond with the higher fixed rate this year. Right. And just to be clear about who can buy these, like if you, you as an individual can buy $10,000, your spouse can buy $10,000, you can buy it for your children, your grandchildren, as long as you have somebody's email and social security number and want to give them money, it doesn't even have to be a relative, right? No, it doesn't. And they don't have to even have an account at Treasury Direct at that point. But in order to ever collect it and ever have it delivered to them, they have to have an account at Treasury Direct. All you need is a social security number. And you can also do it for business entities, right? If you have S-Corps or... You can do a gift for business entities, but you can buy $10,000 if you have a corporation. Um, and a lot of people created uh, corporations just to get $10,000. It was a wild <laughs> year for iBonds last year, obviously. People oh. were doing a lot of strategizing on how to maximize their purchases. So, Yes. So getting more than $10,000 in at great rates is is one of the things I think people are, are interested in. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens if the interest just all wanes away uh, if the rates come down. Yeah, but rate you're, you're in for good, right? I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'll buy. Like I said, I bought, I bought when the fixed rate was zero and the variable rate was 1.8%. You know, because I want – and the reason was, and it turned out to be true, if inflation ever surged, I would be getting matching inflation. And here it surged. We've averaged over 7% inflation for two years in a row. So, you know, that was a huge gain to have with those weak looking I bonds of the past. Now we're earning 7% for two years. You know, so have you ever calculated, growing. have you ever calculated your gross return on your I bonds? Uh, Savings bond calculator you can find on, uh, it's a complicated thing, which I've written a story about too. It's not that complicated, but you can create a listing of all your holdings and then you go to the treasury direct site and it updates it. And it shows you the value of all your holdings. So at the current, after you've collected the current interest. And yeah, so I know how much I return. It shows you the current interest rates for all of them. And it's- Is it a good number? <laughs> well, I bought for a long time, yeah, so, but tips too, you know, so I've, I've owned tips for a long time too. They, Excellent. They're a conservative investment. It's not like you get rich. You're not getting rich on these investments. They're, they're capital preservation, as I always say. Excellent. Well, capital preservation is a very good thing, and um, lots of people are interested in it, especially in such uncertain times. So, uh, David, thank you very much for being here. Um, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. Uh, join Barron senior writer Lauren Foster for a conversation with Brian Demain, a portfolio manager at Janice Henderson Investors, about what to expect from mid-cap growth stocks in 2023 and the themes, sectors, and stocks he is most excited about. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.